Yes, sir. You know what time it is. Welcome to Counting right here on Fanatic Sportsbook. I'm your host, Kazim Fambuide. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Friday afternoon. Happy holidays to everybody over there. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, all that good stuff. Hope you're spending time with your family, and I hope you get to spend time with your family. But as you can see, I'm doing the the the, uh, the show from my crib right here. And, uh, you know, it's family time, so I can't get mad at that. But you know what else I can't get mad at? The return of one of the most electrifying NBA players in the entire NBA. Talk about, talk less than the NBA. One of the most exciting players in all of sports. John Morant made his long-awaited return on December 19th against the New Orleans Pelicans after spending a 25-game suspension away from the team after everything that happened to him last year, whether it was the IG lives and the guns on the camera and some other incidents that happened off the court. But it's looked like in the short return, John Morant is back. What better way to show people that you are back in the building than the performance he put on December 19th against the New Orleans Pelicans. He took on the Pelicans, who obviously have Zion Williamson, the number one pick in the draft that John Morant ended up in the Memphis Grizzlies, and he put on an absolute show, culminating in the fourth quarter. The electrifying high-flying point guard didn't miss a beat, was still getting to the rim at will, was still chipping and chapping and talking trash to the other team was still looking like the player that made him one of the most popular NBA stars in the entire league. And it looks like there's only one way to put the entire world on notice that he is back. And that was with this game winning bucket against the New Orleans Pelicans, man. They got an ISO. There was a big comeback after they were down by 12 points in the fourth quarter, led by John Morant. Uh, Jalen Jackson Jr., of course, and the rest of the squad, they pulled that team back from the brink. And when it was time to win the game on the tie game with less than one minute to go, they looked to their superstar point guard, and he absolutely delivered. What a moment for John Moran, who I'm sure has heard everything under the sun about him throughout his 25-game suspension. But if there's any way to come back, I think 34 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds is one way to do it. I mean, now, granted, I, I don't know what uh, Willie Green was doing for the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't know. I mean, I know you got a great defender over there uh, handling John Morant, but giving him a one-on-one -on -one in isolation on a 1-4 high to to try and win the game with the, with the game tied up, had he not heard? Did he forget? Did he not realize who was has the ball at the top of the key to win the game? John Morant let everybody know he has not missed a beat. He is still one of them ones, and he absolutely got it done for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans on the road. And, man, great moment for him, great moment for him in the postgame, saying he's a dog. He was met, built for this. I don't know if you guys have been – all over social media, but John Morant's sister hopped on IG to let everybody know they've been keeping receipts. They've been checking them twice like Santa Claus. And uh, one of the most exciting players in all of sports is back on the court. So 
What would John Morant do for an encore? Well, easy. They went up against the Indiana Pacers in his home debut when he was very much uh, welcomed with open arms and introduced by another legendary point guard and Derrick Rose, who also happens to be his teammate right now. And uh, they did their thing. They beat the Indiana Pacers 116-103, 20 points for John Morant in his home return in Memphis, in the grindhouse, uh, taking on the Indiana Pacers team who, like the Los Angeles Lakers, have been a little up and down since the in-season tournament, which I think is going to be a, 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 a point of discussion for a long time now. But in any case, it does not take away from the fact that John Morant and his Grizzlies team are walking with a different level of confidence when they have number 12 on the court you know Desmond Bain he chipped in with 31 points Jaron Jackson Jr another 20 point game he had 21 points and eight rebounds uh and man John Morant 20 points eight assists five rebounds getting his teammates involved not necessarily hitting great from deep but it doesn't matter when you're that athletic and you can get into the paint every single time you need to um man I I love seeing 12 on the court I'm sorry I know there's been a lot of things said about him over the past several months, several things that I've said about him over the past several months. And then when it comes to receipts being taken, yeah, I mean, keep the receipts, John Morant. Like, this is what we want you to do. This is what we want you to be known for. I don't think anybody out there wants to see John Morant known for all the other stuff that takes away from his greatness, right? Which is, you know, some of the things that I think take away from him being a true face of the league. You look at the reaction online from John Morant playing basketball. I can't remember another guard. I think maybe probably Stephen Curry that had this much of a hold on the youth of the NBA. And not just NBA players, but NBA fans as well. John Morant is everything that a young NBA fan would love to watch, right? He's athletic. He gets to the rim. He talks his junk. He dances. He does everything that a, 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 a Gen Z NBA basketball fan loves about this game. The only thing we want John Morant to do is not be on Instagram Live, probably stay home a few nights, especially during the season, and just do what you do on the basketball court, man. When he is playing, you got to remember, this is a guy that had very considerable MVP considerations before some of the stuff that happened off the court. All the things that we talk about with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Tyrese Halliburton, who he just played and, and outplayed, honestly. And all these other young guards in the NBA, you got to remember John Morant was probably going to be picked ahead of all of these guys if he was somebody who was eligible for all-star returns, eligible to be uh, considered for awards, all that type of stuff. That was the heaviness of this 25-game suspension, Right. Now, obviously, the Memphis Grizzlies can turn it on, and who knows? We've seen crazy things happen as far as going on runs in late NBA seasons. However, the, the, the gravity of the 25-game suspension is that all of the accolades that come with being an electrifying player like John Morant, he's not eligible for this year. He's not eligible to be, uh, you know, in, in the running for any end-season awards. He's not eligible to be voted to the All-Star game. So all he has to do, is focus on his team, 
focus on his development and stay out of trouble. So as far as, far as receipts are concerned, I hope he keeps them because I want to keep them too. I want to see John Morant on the court. I want to see him do things that are shutting people up and getting people talking about what he does on the court and not off the court. Because if you could look around the league, man, that title for next face of the league after LeBron James hangs him up is still very much in the air. And I think if it wasn't for all the things that we've seen John Morant have to deal with off the court, he would very much be in contention for being the face of the NBA. Now, this could also be an incredible redemption story. And for my sake and for his sake, I hope it is because I love watching that kid hoop. I love what he means to that city of Memphis. I love how he brings his family around with him for the ride. And man, he's just fun to watch. So if you're a New Orleans fan, I'm sorry you had to be on that side of that incredible NBA moment. But run tell that, people. John Morant is back with a vengeance. Let's keep it going with an incredible run that the reigning, defending NBA most valuable player is on. Joel Embiid has been on an absolute heater with his Philadelphia 76ers. And I know what you're going to say. All right, the last time I got in front of a camera and I talked about Joel Embiid and I talked about the Philadelphia 76ers, the first thing I said was, man, I know Joel Embiid is cooking. I know he's doing his thing. But can he please do something like this against a team that is, I don't know, maybe over 500? I think that would be something that uh, people would be interested in. Granted, he is the reigning defending most valuable player, but I don't think we've ever seen a team this good have a stretch against basketball teams that are this bad. So the numbers you're going to see, it was really hard to really quantify what that means. I mean, this is somebody who dropped 50 on the Wizards, 38 on the Hawks, 34 on the Wizards, 41 on the Pistons, who were terrible, 35 on the Pistons, who were terrible, 42 on the Hornets, who were also terrible, and 40 points on the Bulls in a loss. Now, granted, most of these games, Joel Embiid didn't even play in the fourth quarter. So he's putting up monster numbers per minute. He was on a Wilt Chamberlain-like -like, um, uh, trajectory as far as points per minute. But up against the Minnesota Timberwolves, the number one team in the NBA, and the number one defense in the NBA, led by a center who, for all intents and purposes, would be the guy that would at least slow down Joel Embiid and this incredible scoring tear he's been on, couldn't do a damn thing. 51 points on 17 of 25 shooting, only taking one three-pointer, 12 rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block, and a dub against the Minnesota Timberwolves in 36 minutes of action. Now, the Timberwolves were in full strength. They had their squad all together, and Edwards, Rudy Gobert, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, the whole deal. He had every excuse in the world for the Timberwolves to get that dub. That's just not what happened, man. Joel Embiid has been on an absolute 
another level this entire season. Tyrese Maxey chipped in with 35 points. He continues to be an incredible shooting guard for these Philadelphia 76ers. That combination of Embiid and Maxey is looking real Kobe and Shaq-ish. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that kid is absolutely dominating uh, alongside Joel Embiid. But the, the Timberwolves are right there with him. Anthony Edwards chipped in with 27 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and came this close from putting Joel Embiid on an incredible poster in the beginning of the game. Carl Anthony Towns chipped in with 23 points and 13 rebounds. Jaden McDaniels, the rangy, all-everything defender, 21 points and three rebounds. And Rudy Gobert, who drew a lot of that, uh, you know, matchup against Joel Embiid, he finished with eight points, nine rebounds, zero blocks. Had absolutely nothing for Joel. Now, granted, he's not somebody who's just, who's just been sitting there posting up, just getting as many layups as, as, as possible. But granted, his ability to create on the perimeter from 15 feet and out to drive, to pump fake, he's really a seven-foot shooting guard out there. And there were so many times during that game where there was getting hands in a cookie jar, reaching and teaching. And to Joel Embiid's credit, he's became absolutely elite and drawing fouls in the NBA. And on top of that, when you're seven feet tall and you could draw fouls that well and shoot free throws that well, I'm not going to really sit here and think that Joel Embiid is being a free throw merchant like a lot of you NBA fans are. It's a real skill to be that big, that depth around the rim, and have the ability to finish at the free throw line, especially when you're that big. You're basically unguardable at that point. And the numbers back it up. On the season, he is averaging a blistering 35 points per game, a career high for the reigning defending MVP, shooting 54% from the field, 33% from three, chipping in with 11 rebounds, six assists, one steal, and one block. And if you can believe it, Joel Embiid is putting up an even better MVP campaign this year than he did last year. Now, granted, I remember... I was one of those people who, after he won that MVP or the narrative around him MVP started, around him winning MVP started to get a little bit stronger, I was one of those people that was like, you know what, I think this is one of those awards that Nikola Jokic probably will be owed in a few years. And given how that season ended with the Denver Nuggets, given how the Milwaukee Bucks have played with Giannis Antetokounmpo, a lot of people started to agree. But I'm not necessarily sure that's the case anymore. Joel Embiid, after navigating the entire James Harden fiasco, getting a new coach in Nick Nurse, seeing the rise of Tyrese Maxey, this guy is continuing to look like the best player on the planet. He's unstoppable in the paint. He's got an incredible touch around the rim. He's a dominant rebounder, a dominant defender. He does it on all facets of the game. And the Philadelphia 76ers are one of the contenders in a top-heavy Eastern Conference. I can't believe it. Joel Embiid, who after last year sat at home and watched Giannis Antetokounmpo get a Hall of Fame teammate and watched Nikola Jokic win an NBA title and an NBA Finals MVP and completely run through some of the best big men in the NBA. And B's back. And he's looking like he wants to prove that that MVP award last year was absolutely no fluke. And with the Philadelphia 76ers playing the way they are playing, now granted, they're going to need a little bit more help from guys like Tobias Harris or at least getting more opportunities for Tobias Harris to score. 
and other players on their team to contribute. Marcus Morris of the world. As long as you've got big fella in the middle, Philadelphia 76ers are going to be a handful to deal with this entire season. And Joel Embiid, he's not letting go of that MVP award without a fight. We've seen Luka. We've seen Shea. We've seen Nikola Jokic. We've seen Anthony Edwards. We've seen all of these great players have great seasons. But if you're going to want to take that MVP award away from Joel Embiid, you're going to have to do some magical stuff because that is exactly what the big Cameroonian is doing right now for the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's keep it rolling in the battle of New York City. The New York Knicks, after coming off of what people were saying, one of the toughest stretches on the West Coast uh, swing that they were on, come back 3-2 and two, and technically on the road, but going up into Barclays Center where if you've ever been to Barclays Center during the Knicks and Nets game, knowing it's basically another home game, they absolutely handled the Brooklyn Nets 121-102 in another great game for this New York Knicks team who seem to be riding the ship. They're 16-11 on the season so far, and they got great help from a plethora of players for the New York Knicks. Obviously, later in the day, we found out some terrible news about Mitchell Robinson, who was playing some all-level, all-world-level defense this entire season, out for the season after uh, his ankle surgery was complete. Looked like it was a little bit worse for the wear. But in any case, the New York Knicks and Mitchell Robinson's replacement, Isaiah Hartenstein, did not let their foot off the gas after some great wins off that West Coast trip. They were led... By Julius Randle, once again, who continues to play back at an all-NBA, all-star level after an incredibly slow start to begin the season. He finished with 26.7 rebounds and four assists. Dante DiVincenzo, who a lot of guys weren't necessarily sure if the Knicks did enough in the offseason when he was their only main uh, free agent front office uh, acquisition in the summertime. He's continuing to be a home run signing for the New York Knicks. He finished with 23 points on 5 for 10 shooting from downtown and 9 for 15 shooting from the field. And he also chipped in with 8 rebounds as well. Josh Hart, a guy who you can just literally put on any part of the court and is productive. 10 points, 13 rebounds. Jalen Brunson, 16 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. We're going to talk about Jalen Brunson in a bit. R.J. Barrett chipped up with 14, and Emmanuel quickly comes off the bench with an incredible 19 points, continuing to be one of the most electrifying scorers off the bench in the NBA. Um, the New York Knicks, man, they have been playing some really good basketball lately. And when it comes to the Knicks playing basketball, for some reason, it always turns into other conversations about other things. What do I mean by other things? You got to understand. I'm a long-time Knicks fan. In the early 2000s, and even in the beginning of the 2010s, I was not being beggy or choosy. I just wanted to see some consistent, competitive, good NBA basketball befitting of my hometown, New York City. And that's what the New York Knicks are doing right now. Led by Tom Thibodeau, 16-11 on the season. They got two legitimate all-star contenders, one who might be an all-star starter, and Jalen Brunson, and now here comes the narrative police. Every time you turn on the TV about what's going on with the New York Knicks, it's not just about 
who they are right now. It's about getting to that next level. And Becky Hammond, the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, a legendary player for the New York Liberty, might have thrown just a tiny bit of shade at Jalen Brunson. Now, people talk about the New York Knicks all the time, all the time. But for some reason, when Becky Hammond was joined on NBA Today by Malika Andrews and Kendrick Perkins and Brian Windhorse, he, she talked about the New York Knicks not having enough to get to that next level. Now, mind you, the Knicks sitting fifth in the Eastern Conference right now, and that is basically the definition of being in the middle of the pack team. And when they were discussing what it will take for that team to become an elite squad, Becky Hammond said, I quote, they don't have enough personnel. They don't have the manpower that they need to hang with those guys. I think you're going to get a consistent team like they've been. They're a pretty good team. They're well coached. They're going to be on the defensive game. But at the end of the day, they don't have a dude. You got to have a dude. You got to have a 1A dude that they're missing at the end of the day if you're just getting down the brass tags. Now, I'm going to take my Nick Hat fan off real quick. In that statement, she is correct, right? As far as being at the top of the top of the NBA, there's only really five. 1A dudes, right? You got Giannis, you got Embiid, you got Jokic. I guess you're going to put Tatum in there. LeBron James, obviously. Depending on what the hell's going on with the Warriors, Stephen Curry. 1A dudes are, are few and far between. But in this conversation, Kendrick Perkins, who has been a, a long-standing supporter of the New York Knicks, it looks like, ever since he's been on NBA TV, uh, NBA Today, says they do have that dude. And Jalen Brunson is that guy. And Becky Hammond uh, responded by saying, well, he's too little. He's too small. He's, oh, we've only seen it done twice with Stephen Curry and Isaiah Thomas. Great player, an all-star player, but she's not going to back up down on this statement. The crazy thing is, there were so many people who got so upset that Becky Hammond, our fellow New Yorker, our fellow Hooper, from Las Vegas, who took her winning ways from New York to San Antonio to Las Vegas, went on national TV and shaded our boy Jalen Brunson. She had to actually hit us with a statement on X. And I quote, for the record, I love Jalen Brunson's game. He used to give us Spurs work when he played with Dallas. I love when undersized players give the league buckets. He's got a great mind and feel for the game. Great mind, great feel. He was passed over in the first round and then got to the league and showed out. He's not a good NBA player. He's a great NBA player. Much respect. He's an all-star. He'll be an all-NBA performer. But I stand by my statement. That I can't put him in a LeBron, Steph, and B type of 1A tier player. And that if your best player is the smallest player on the court, you, in parentheses probably, won't win a championship. This game favors the tall. Wish it didn't, but it does. Hashtag calm down. Hashtag there are exceptions of the rule. Sincerely, a small basketball player. I'm still shocked at how much this blew up uh, over the past several uh, moments. But... Let's look at Jalen Brunson's numbers. On the year, he's averaging a career-high 25 points per game on 47% shooting, 45% from three, chipping in with four rebounds and six assists per game. Jalen Brunson obviously having a career year, possibly going to play himself into all-star mode, maybe as an all-star starter. But 
here is the conversation around the New York Knicks and the way Jalen Brunson has played. It's more than just the numbers he's putting up. It's his ability to control the game. It's his ability to play defense, draw the most charges in the NBA. When it comes to crunch time, there's not a whole lot of players in the NBA. You want the ball in your hands. Then Jalen Brunson, we've seen what he did at the Los Angeles. We see what he did against the Phoenix Suns. We see when he dropped 50 this past week against KD and Devin Booker. And we're seeing how good this team is starting to play as we're rolling into the meat of the NBA season. Now, this conversation is going to continue because the New York Knicks, as good as they are, have enough assets to possibly lift this team up to elite status. Now, are any of these 1A players available via trade to add to this team the way they're currently constructed? No, I don't think so. MB's locked in. Giannis ain't going nowhere. Luka's in Dallas. These 1A guys that everybody believes the Knicks need to compete with the elites of the NBA aren't available. But I'm of the mindset that this New York Knicks team doesn't necessarily need a 1A guy as currently constructed. They got a really good expiring contract in Evan Fournier. They got really good young players who will probably want to go and get some real time and some real moments around the league. They got picks. They got money to spend. I don't necessarily think the Knicks need to take a big swing and mess up the nucleus of this really good roster they have. If they can go out, and now they have this trade exception, uh, doing uh, with the with the Mitchell Robinson injury. Now they have even more assets to really bring in another impact player. And if I speak for all of New York City, especially the way Jalen Brunson has been talked about, I mean, from day one, he was talked about being overpaid. From day one, a lot of people were talking about this isn't a guy who should be a first rounder. From day one, before he came to Dallas, uh, New York, they saw him cook in Dallas. Uh, in the playoffs and say, oh, it was a fluke, it was a fluky season. No, nah, no. Nah. All of these things have been following Jalen Brunson most of his career, and all that dude has done has went on every level. So like Becky Hammond said in her Twitter slash X uh, statement, there's always exceptions to the rule. I'm of the mindset as this Knicks fan of keeping this core together and using all these assets to go and get one more piece, one more really good player that can make life of Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Bear, and of course, Deepin Tenjo and, and Josh Hart's lives a whole lot easier. Who are those players? Maybe a DeMar DeRozan you could steal from the Chicago Bulls if they stop winning. Right? Like, stop winning so many games, Chicago. All right, we're trying. We got we got trade things to work out here. Calm down. Maybe DeRozan, maybe Levine, maybe Bogdan Bogdanovich from Detroit, who the worst one of the worst basketball teams I've ever seen. I'm sure he'd be happy as hell to get out of there and come to New York City. Maybe Isaiah Stewart, a big bruising center who might come in and, you know, be a little bit more offensively talented than Mitchell Robinson, but definitely not the defender he is. But another solid piece. I'm of the mindset of Jalen Brunson, you are the superstar of this Knicks franchise. J Julius Randle, you play like a superstar for this franchise. And in my opinion, depth is going to matter in this league. And as long as you stay in with a puncher's chance through this conference, especially in this Eastern Conference, I like the Knicks' chances as much as anybody with Jalen Brunson as your 1A guy. Granted, you go out, use these assets to get him another weapon 
to make sure the Knicks have enough firepower to compete with the Sixers, Bucks, and the Celtics out there. It's going to be real interesting to see how they roll on. We'll see them on Christmas when they take on the Milwaukee Bucks. going to be a great, great game. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, the winner of the in-season tournament this past year. And uh, they continue to free fall ever since coming back from Las Vegas. I don't know if it was a little bit too much gambling, maybe too much popping at the bubbly. But they lost 111-118 to the uh, number one team in the NBA, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Granted, without LeBron James, he sat out. And uh, the Lakers, fourth loss in a row uh, since coming back from this tournament. And... Now they are sitting at 500, a team that at one point I think was probably on the rise, and we're starting to see that there is playoff intensity and regular season intensity, and dialing that up and dialing it back down, I don't want to say dialing it back down, but I mean, you can tell what I'm trying to say here. The intensity from the in-season tournament and the intensity that these Lakers have played with since then are vastly, vastly different. They go up into Minnesota to take on the T-Wolves. And the T-Wolves, who were coming off a tough loss against the Philadelphia 76ers, wasn't trying to lose two games in a row. In fact, the Minnesota Timberwolves haven't lost two games in a row all season this year. They were led by their superstar guard, Anthony Edwards, who dropped 27 points, seven rebounds, and five assists. Carl Anthony Towns, 21.6 rebounds and four assists. Where Rudy Gobert chipped in with 15 points. 13 rebounds and three blocks. Jaden McDaniels, another contributor for them. He dropped 14 points and three assists while Mike Conley had 16 and eight. As far as the Lakers are concerned, man, whew, uh, lots of lots of changes I'm smelling, right? Like this kind of, it's weird. Like the Lakers going into the in-season tournament with their inconsistency, you kind of felt that the winds of change were coming regardless. But I think the in-season tournament was a little bit of a Febreze to the situation, a little potpourri, a little nice. Here's something you guys could smell and enjoy at least for a week or two to distract you from the fact that this team probably isn't built for 82 games, right? Granted, Anthony Davis has been healthy and playing his behind off. He finished with 31 points, eight rebounds, four assists, while chipping in three blocks as well. But without LeBron James, I mean, this Lakers team is ordinary. I'm sorry. As great as Anthony Davis is, what makes this team special is LeBron James playing at LeBron James levels, even at 21 seasons in the NBA. D'Angelo Russell finished with 17 points, 8 assists, and 4 rebounds, but he shot terribly from the field, 7 for 19 from the uh, from the field, Austin Reeves, he came off the bench to drop 20 points, 7 for 14, shooting 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals. Solid game from him. Rui Hachimura, who has been up and down all season long, he had a pretty solid game with 18 points, shooting 7 for 12 from the field, and knocking down two threes. Cam Reddish, 8 points, 2 assists, 1 rebound, and 37 minutes of action. He got the start uh, in place of LeBron James. Well, Torian Prince got the start in place of LeBron James. 14 points, 5 rebounds. but Without LeBron, and granted, this is the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team who would probably beat the Lakers even at full strength, especially coming off a loss. There's so many, there's going to be so many narratives coming from this team now. That was the one thing I was watching out for that I wanted to see. How is this squad going to respond after winning a tournament in this season? There's going to be an obvious letdown. There's going to be an obvious sort of, obvious sort of come down 
after putting so much effort into winning a win and you're in style of tournament. And I think we're all sort of for the first time getting a little bit of this uh this evidence of what this in-season tournament is gonna mean going forward. I hope for the NBA's sake, the Lakers struggles and the Pacers struggles don't necessarily muddle the fun that we had in the beginning of this season. I hope this doesn't turn into, well, you see what happened to the Lakers last year when they won the in-season tournament. They went on a little bit of a losing streak and it kind of derailed their season. I want to see the Lakers circle the wagon because I feel like competition in the beginning of the NBA season is only going to build you for, it's going to build you that callus that you need for the end of the season. Now, I know Laker fans and Western Conference fans are sitting there looking at the Lakers, licking their chops, hoping that a downfall is coming or maybe they're going to swing a trade for Zach Levine or anything like that. But I think for the sake of the NBA, the Lakers got to get it together. I think this is the one thing Adam Silver and the NBA do not want. They do not want a team who went so hard and made it a point of duty to win this brand new in-season tournament to make the beginning of the NBA season, more compelling, more competitive. Um, look bad, right? One in four since the tournament ended. And uh, it's going to be tough, man. Granted, LeBron sat down. He's going to need his little bit of rest. But I think Rob Palenka is going to be on the phone for the next couple of weeks and trying to get more players on this squad, more firepower, more offensive firepower, to be precise, to keep this team more than afloat. They have one goal and one goal only when it comes to Los Angeles Lakers. And if you're going to make a big deal about not hanging up the in-season tournament because you quote-unquote only raise championship banners, you know this stretch of basketball is going to be is not going to be well-received by Laker Nation. They're going to make some moves. I don't know who for who, but when you're on the LeBron James timeline, Tom ain't your friend. You got to act now, Rob Palenka. Let's see if he can pull off another incredible mid-season masterclass by the time the trade deadline goes down let's keep it going with the oklahoma city thunder and the los angeles clippers two of the hottest teams in the nba right now the clippers who have circled the wagons and are now 17 and 12 on the year took on the oklahoma city thunder team who is 19 and 8 on the year and got the dub now this was the first game that Kawhi Leonard did miss this year due to a hip injury. He's been incredibly healthy all season long. And obviously, the Clippers definitely missed him when they needed him the most. The Thunder go on to win 134-115. And this stacked starting lineup of the Oklahoma City Thunder continue to be the problem that a lot of the league can't seem to solve quite yet. They were led... By Shea Gilgis-Alexander once again with 31 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. He looks like one of the most unguardable guards in the entire NBA. And right now, you can get some MVP odds of Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He is plus 800 as it stands right now in the NBA. The third best odds, if you can believe it or not, behind Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. That's how great the Oklahoma City Thunder have been playing. But nevertheless, they also got the front runner for the rookie of the year so far, Chet Holmgren, who finished with 23 points, seven assists, six rebounds, and of course, this incredible off the glass Tracy McGrady S dunk in the middle of the game. 
He don't look like a rookie to me, y'all. I think that redshirt year or that 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 gap year that he had after Gonzaga due to injury has made him an even better player coming to the league than he would have been even without having that year to really get acclimated into the NBA. Chet Holmgren is a problem right now. He don't got next. He got right now. That dude is really good. Jalen Williams, he chipped in with 13.7 assists and four rebounds. Lou Dort, 21, 4, and 3. Josh Giddy, 11 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds. And Isaiah Joe comes off the bench with 11 points and 2 rebounds. Now, the Clippers, who were without Kawhi Leonard, still got some pretty good contributions from James Harden, who's starting to find his offensive touch once again. He finished with 23 points on 4 of 9 shooting from downtown. 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, and 1 block. They were led offensively as well by Paul George, who finished with 22 points, 4 rebounds, Four assists, five for eight shooting, seven for 14 from the field, one steal, and one block. And, of course, Russell Westbrook, who is always going to give you that effort, that energy, 15 points, 13 rebounds, and four assists. However, and he also got an incredible standing ovation from that Oklahoma City crowd. Of, I mean, listen, outside of Kevin Durant, people could argue that Russell Westbrook is the most important player in that franchise's history. And he got a very well-deserved standing ovation when he checked into the game and he balled out. Uh, in kind 15 points 13 rebounds and four assists for the Brody against the Oklahoma City Thunder but like I said the Thunder continue to roll 19 and 8 on the season how possible is it that Shea Gilgis Alexander wins the MVP like I said right now Joe uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander has the third best odds slightly over Luka Doncic for MVP winner odds on uh Fanatics uh, on the Fanatics Sportsbook app right now after that it's a two-horse race Nikola Jokic with plus 250 odds and the current leader in the clubhouse is the person we spent a lot of time talking about in the beginning of the show Joel Embiid plus 150 odds to win the NBA's most valuable player I mean Luka Doncic is hot on his heels obviously but the Dallas Mavericks have been up and down ever since their hot start and that's usually been the story when it's come to the Dallas Mavericks team led by Luka Doncic Kyrie Irving in and out of the lineup not necessarily know what's going on with that team, but they've been looking good as well. Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, though, man, there's levels to this. And as fun as Shea Gilders Alexander is, as fun as the Thunders team is, I think very much of where the East and the West is going to be decided between these two big men, these two centers, these two people that Becky Hammond was talking about NBA Twitter, okay? Like, you need to be led by uh, big stars if you want to get to a championship level. And Joel Embiid, even though he's been an all-star, MVP, breaking scoring records left and right, he is driven and determined to get to the places that Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo have gotten to already. That's conference finals. That's NBA finals. I think if he keeps that, that driven focus, I think there's no doubt that Joel Embiid has just as good a shot to repeat as MVP this year. But this Oklahoma City Thunder team, they didn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but Shea Gilders Alexander is a guy who is playing like an all-NBA first-team guard. And as good as the Thunder have been and as good as that entire starter five has been led by him, you cannot discount his MVP winner odds going into the rest of the season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this whole thing turns out. An incredible game for SGA and the Thunder. They keep it rolling. Let's get some small notes around the NBA. 
And if you've been following the plight of what is turning on to be a historically sucky run of basketball by the Detroit Pistons, it might have culminated in the big suck last night. They lost to a Utah Jazz team who are 12 and 18, who were on the road, and who were without Laurie Marketing and Jordan Clarkson. They still could not get it done. They lost 119-111, bringing their franchise-leading record 25, 25th loss in the row to Monty Williams and the Detroit Pistons team. I could run you some numbers. I could talk about Cade Cunningham dropping 28, Jaden Ivey having 24, Bagley 22, but who cares, right? This team is garbage. It's awful. The wheels done come off, the milk's done gone bad. As much as a team wants to rebuild and build around young players, this ain't the way to do it. I don't care how many points you get. If you're building losing habits, if you're hearing sell the team chants, if you got a guy like Cade Cunningham, who I'll always say played on one of the greatest high school basketball teams I have ever seen, getting into the NBA and being on one of the losingest teams I have ever seen. That cannot be good for your future franchise player. Am I wrong? Can't be. Because if you go against the Utah Jazz and you got Kelly Olynyk dropping 27, Simone Fontacheco dropping 16, Colin Sexton, 19 points. Oche Abaji dropping 18. John Collins and Chris Dunn with 13 apiece. And you lost your 25th game in a row. I mean, this was the game. If there was any game on this schedule for the Pistons to finally break this incredibly terrible losing streak, this was the game to do it. And they still couldn't get it done. I mean, I don't know who you're going to sell the team to. I mean, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Eminem's got some spare change laying around to possibly buy these guys and try and just I don't know. It's 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 bad. It is bad when you're looking at the rest of the schedule too. It doesn't get much easier for the Detroit Pistons. I don't know where you find the win before we get to 2024 between a home and home against the Brooklyn Nets. Possibly, maybe you could steal one of those games. But then you got the Boston Celtics. Then you got the Toronto Raptors, who are no slouches. The Houston Rockets, no slouches. The Jazz, who you just lost to without Laurie Markin and or Jordan Clarkson. The Warriors, the Nuggets, the Kings, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Wizards. January 15th, the Toilet Bowl Part 2, the Detroit Pistons against the Washington Wizards. Maybe, just maybe, the Detroit Pistons will get a win, and the fine citizens of Detroit can get some free wing stop for the love of God. Give these guys some chicken, please. I don't know how long you can keep this going. And last, but certainly not least, on today's episode of Count It, we got another big Eastern Conference tilt between the Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic, two top teams in the Eastern Conference that went all the way down to the wire, but eventually the Milwaukee Bucks Ended up with the dub led by who else? Freak Tom, the Greek Freak, and Damian Lillard. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo finished with 37 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 blocks. Damian Lillard chipped in with 24 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. However, he did shoot 5 for 17 from the field. Another not great shooting night for Dame. Shooting 43% from the field 
uh, so far this season, which would be a career that would be below his career average of 43.9 uh, so far. But he still went four for eight from downtown from deep. And, you know, that's what you pay him the big bucks for to hit those big shots at crunch time. 14 and seven for Brooke Lopez. 14 points for Chris Middleton. As far as the Magic are concerned, they hung tough. They've been really good all season long. And they were led by their two star forwards, Franz Wagner, 29, 6, and 6. Paolo Bancaro, 23, 4, and 7. Mo Wagner came off the bench and dropped 21 points. And Cole Anthony, another big game off the bench, 18 points and 11 rebounds. The Magic are now 16 and 12 on the season and sit at fourth place in the Eastern Conference while the Milwaukee Bucks sit at Second, Magic loses a four straight after having an incredible November and beginning of December. Maybe starting to come back down to earth just a little bit. They are now tied for fourth with the New York Knicks for winners of two straight so far. They will take on the Milwaukee Bucks on Christmas. And I promise you that's going to be a pretty good game. Can't wait to check that out. In any case, that's it for today's episode of Counted. Thank you so much for kicking it with me and talking some hoops right here on Fanatic Sportsbook. My name is Kazim Famiwide. Enjoy your holidays, people. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Enjoy the time with your family. Enjoy all the hoops and enjoy this time of the year. My name is Kaz and I will catch y'all next time, people. Take it easy.